Thanks to Gabby for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Gabby.com is the free tool that compares insurance rates across top providers to find you the best rate for your exact coverage all in less than two minutes. Just go to Gabby.com slash dreamjob. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. How are you? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm glad you're here. Every time you're here, I just want you to know I never take it for granted. And I hope that every time you listen, you get what you're coming here for. I feel like sometimes you're coming here just to get permission that you're not crazy and that you should go ahead and trust yourself. Maybe you just need permission to be messy and not to have it all figured out. Maybe you need permission to just feel your feelings and know that um, we all feel the full range of emotions all the time and there's nothing strange about you if you feel down or anxious or if your life isn't perfect because no one has a perfect life or has it all together. Um, Whatever you're coming here for, I hope that it makes you feel less alone and I hope that it shows you what's possible And that week after week, you're seeing examples of people who didn't have a roadmap or a trust fund, but they had the courage to step forward towards something that they like to do. And it became something that they never could have dreamed. I want to just give a shout out to to a friend of mine. Her name is Zisi. And Zisi in Yiddish actually means sweet. And I'm so proud of her because... She was just telling me, um, I didn't know this, but she started a business where she's designing these incredibly gorgeous cakes and beautifully designed cookies. And um, I've been watching her growing this business over the last year or so. And what I didn't know is she just told me that a few years ago, she didn't even know that she had a passion for designing cookies or baking cakes or anything like this, that she just started doing it. And she's a mom of three kids and she's busy and she's exhausted and she's a great mom, very dedicated. And she just started doing it for her kids' own birthday parties and she liked it. So she did a little bit more of it. And then people asked her about, you know, oh, they'd come to her birthday party. Where did you get the cake? And she said, oh, I made it. And then people started saying, oh, do you do this? And she said, no. And then in like the third or fourth time somebody asked her, do you do this? She said, "Um, I guess I could do it. And then it started, you know, oh, could you make a cake for my daughter's birthday? Oh, could you make a dozen cookies? I'm having a party. And she started to say yes. And she started to have the courage to say, okay, so how would I double and triple that recipe? Or what would I charge? And now she has business coming in. And she just started really small. And it's just growing. And she's not doing any marketing. She just started telling her neighbors, basically. And you can find her stuff if you go to ZC. S, so ZCS Sweets. And she's on Instagram there. And that's all she has going on is her Instagram profile with her beautiful photos that she takes herself, she said, with her cracked little camera. Um, and she just started to do this. And I think that it's so important to see things like this happen because I think we overestimate what it's going to take for us to actually do something. Like, oh, in order for me to do this, I'd have to be Giada De Laurentiis or Rachel Ray not true. We overestimate what it would take and we underestimate what it could actually look like if four people every week bought a cake from you and how that would feel and how that could radically change your life. And then if those four people turned into eight people, 
if you did that every week, that could start to be a significant amount of pocket change every week, adding up every month. And then think about where that could grow and what kind of purpose and the feeling that you would feel. Remember that you're chasing a feeling, right? At at the end of the day, we're not chasing a certain amount of followers. We're chasing what we're hoping that that's going to make us feel. And so imagine if you're in your kitchen more. Imagine if you're gardening more. Imagine if you have that honest transaction of handing somebody the thing you made and you see them open the cake box and go, wow, this is so beautiful. And you know that you got to bring them that joy. So I just wanted to give a shout out to ZC. And I just think that stories like that to me are equally as inspiring as the Howard Schultz story. Because again, Howard Schultz started with one coffee, right? He sold one coffee and it turned into one store. He started by just having a tiny little kiosk in the corner of a warehouse where he was selling coffee, just like you'd have a lemonade stand. And he was like selling these coffees, which led him to the idea that maybe he should open his first store. And he thought, oh my gosh, if I could have one coffee shop, that would change my whole life. That would be everything. And then he created 35,000 of them. But it's not really the point of how big or how much. It's that honest transaction of, can I do more of what I love? Can I be feeling that I'm living life more on my terms and playing more? And we really underestimate that 15 people a week could actually turn into, you know, a few hundred dollars a week, which could turn into a few thousand dollars a month, which actually becomes a really nice side hustle, which then starts to grow momentum because those 15 people tell, they each tell a friend and they tell a friend and it starts to grow until you now need an assistant and now you're doing it full time. So I love these stories and congratulations to ZC. She's really an incredible person uh, running around with her three kids without any help she and her husband are really a team um, doing everything on their own. And it's so cool to see her celebrate her joy in this way. And I know that that's possible for every single one of you. I just love it so much. Um, Another reminder, how many of you have pre-ordered my book? I'm really excited because the book is coming out in November. And I just wanted to be clear because I know that when things aren't clear, it gets confusing. What's the what? How do I get in on this? So we created the Dream Ambassador program and we had this great idea that the Dream Ambassadors could start book clubs and they could each tell a friend that they're going to be creating a book club. And we gave everyone these book club starter kits and we said, tell five friends to buy the book. And if you get five friends interested in being in a book club and everyone pre-orders the book, then you're going to get so many perks. You're going to get coaching calls and training sessions and mastermind coachings. And I'm going to be choosing five people to have lunch with me every month. And then I realized, what if people are feeling like, gosh, I would love to get all of that value, but I don't know if I can get five friends to buy a book. I don't know if I can talk to four different people and and make sure that they're going to be able to commit. And even though that sounds like so much fun. So I just want you to know another way to do this would be that you could buy five books and you can give four of them away. Um, And if you think about it, it's an amazing return on investment because I added up what this stuff is worth. And essentially, you'd be getting $2,500 of coaching sessions, plus you'd be entered into a raffle where I would choose five people to take them on a private lunch. And that in and of itself could be worth about $1,500 to have that time. It's going to be like a two and a half hour lunch with five people, me sitting there really spending time with you and giving you that support. And then I'm going to pick 10 people and give you guys a mastermind coaching session, which is also worth about $1,000. So when you think of it, 
that's another amazing way to do this. If you don't want to create a book club and you want to get in on all of this stuff, then the deadline is July 29th. Buy five copies of the book. You can give away four copies and you can still start a book club with your friends. And we can send you the book club starter kit with all the discussion questions and the takeaways. And you could do that anyway. But the book will come to you in November, which is right before the holidays. And maybe you know a sister or a brother or a neighbor or a friend who could really be inspired by this work. And by you spreading the message and sharing this book, I want to reward you even more and give you so much more value. So think of it that way. If you don't want to enlist your friends in a book club, which I just think would be awesome for accountability purposes and for you to be a catalyst for their growth and them to support you. But if that feels daunting, then you could buy $100 worth of books. It depends on how you're buying it. But if you buy the e-version or if you buy the audio version, it's anywhere from like $15 to like $19. Um, so if you buy five, it's less than 100 bucks. And for that, you're going to exchange it for $5,000 worth of value, which seems really worth it to me. The deadline is July 29th. If you want to submit for all of that, then join the Dream Ambassadors and then let us know that you bought your five books and we will give you all the rewards. And I'm so excited to do all of that. Um, I want to give a shout out to Raquel Jones. She posted that she had started her book club on the 31st in downtown LA. And she said she did get six to eight girls interested. And I think that that's amazing. So um, way to go, Raquel. That's awesome. I know you guys are going to help each other so much when you're meeting up and discussing all of the things that you're inspired to do. You're probably going to start putting them into action when you voice them out loud. And Amanda wrote to us and she said she got two people to join a book club with her. And she posted a screenshot of something that she shared with her friends. She said, calling all creatives. If you haven't heard of the podcast, don't keep your day job. Well, I highly recommend it. It's literally my favorite podcast. I listen to it pretty much every day. And if you'd like, you can join this group where I'm hosting a book club to read Kathy Heller's book coming out in November. The Facebook group is called Don't Keep Your Day Job Washington State Pod. And it's a closed group, but I'm the admin so I can let you in. So that's amazing. So thank you, Amanda. Thanks for supporting your friends and encouraging their dreams. And thank you for supporting my book in the process. It is so circular win-win. You guys support the book, which in turn is hopefully going to give you extra juice to do what it is that I'm hoping to see you do. I hope that this book encourages there to be more bead stores and more yoga studios and more pie shops and more people dancing and screenwriting and baking. That is what I want to see. Okay, so let's dive into today's episode. We have the talented Adam J. Kurtz on the show. He's an artist, an illustrator, and an internationally best-selling author, speaker, and designer. He's written a few amazing books like Things Are What You Make of Them, Pick Me Up, A Pep Talk for Now and Later, and One Page at a Time, A Daily Creative Companion. And we're going to talk about all of them in this episode. Adam has been featured in The New Yorker, NPR, Forbes, Vice, Adweek, and many more places. Everything he does is with the intention of embracing the world with honesty. He's all about keeping it real and letting whatever is true to come to the surface. And he has such great advice on releasing this need to be perfect and empowering yourself on the journey. I think you guys are going to love him. So without further ado, please welcome the awesome Adam J. Kurtz. Hey, Adam. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm stoked. Oh, cool. Well, I really love your mission and all the work that you're doing. So tell us a little bit about your own story, like how you got to this place where you were able to make a living as an artist, an author, a speaker, a designer. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Sure. So I, like many people listening and very passionate about making things and have for my entire life since I was a kid been like that crafty kid, that artsy kid, that nerdy kid. And when I went to college, I studied graphic design and I really thought, cool, I'm going to be a graphic designer and it's pretty close to what I love and that'll be my job and I'll work in an office and I'll do that. 
And so I did. I was a graphic designer and I worked at an internet marketing company. I worked in traditional advertising. I worked for a media website, all the while doing the things that I loved on the side. Mm -hmm. I was making zines, printing postcards, and then starting to do like fun little merch products. Like I would just make a hundred keychains because like that was fun to me. And very slowly it became my career. And so now I'm a full-time artist and author with a product line with several books, journals, and stationery with Penguin and other publishers. And this is what I do for, for almost five years now. It's so beautiful. It's so the dream, you know, and I, I just love that there's room, you know, there's room for yet another soul who has something to share. And, and look, it's like, you don't have to be Beyonce in order to make a living and find your community. And you have almost 300,000 followers on Instagram. And yet, you know, there's people who might not know you and there's still room for you to make a big difference in the world. And I love that that's like the new American dream. When did it actually start to make you money? What was the project that really took off and what did that look like? I mean, money and success, it's so subjective, right? So I can tell you that when I made these funny balloons that say, sorry, I'm such an asshole, those started <laughs> selling kind of beyond the scope of my, I know it's like hilarious to talk about it because that was, these balloons were my first project to really like blow up, pun intended. And, and that was when I was making enough money from my art that I could then go and print the next thing. I didn't sit down with like a cash injection to like build a brand. It was literally like, do a thing. Okay. Do another thing. Okay. Make balloons. Oh my God. Why are hundreds of people buying these now? And then, oh, I have $2,000. I'm going to go put that back into the next art project. What made you think of making a balloon that said that? Oh my God. So typically guys dump me. Like when I'm in a relationship, I'm the one to get dumped. <laughs> and when I had to break up with someone else, it felt so shitty that that was a feeling I couldn't shake, that feeling of, oh God, like we need to break up, but I feel like an asshole. I've been dumped. I know what it feels like. I hate that I did this to you. And so I had the idea, like, what if there was a balloon that could encapsulate <laughs> this so I could give a balloon to this guy? And uh, and the minimum order was 500 balloons. So I had 499 balloons and I'm like, what do I do with these? And I posted them online and I sold them. And then I kept printing them for years. It's amazing. It's just the juxtaposition of a balloon that says that it's the cutest, funniest, weirdest, most uh, provocative, awesome thing. But people who are listening may not have ever made even $10 or $100 doing something they love. Who are you putting it out there to? Like, did you have a following at that point? Like, where was this going when you were first starting? How did you build a community? How did you build an audience? So for me, I have always been very online in LiveJournal and on MySpace and all those places that all these platforms that allowed us to build a little world for ourselves. And so when Tumblr started in 2007, I was an early adopter. I joined Tumblr about three months after it launched and was just posting my art there and posting like little doodles and bits and pieces like graphic design sort of scraps. And so at the time that I posted those balloons to Tumblr, I had probably 1,500 followers. Okay. And objectively, that's not that many people, right? Many people listening, if you combined your followings on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, if you combined all the people in your immediate circle, yeah. you might actually have a couple hundred. Yeah. And that's, 
that's all you need. Because if an idea catches someone's eye and catches their attention, they're going to share it. And so what happened was I didn't have a huge following, but people reblogged that image and people sent that image to their friends. And then it got picked up by design blogs like Swiss Miss, um, but also culture blogs like Complex Magazine, Paper Magazine, um, the Urban Outfitters blog. Oh my God. So it's not even about, like, I didn't have a quarter million Instagram followers, but sometimes an idea can extend beyond what you think is going to happen. Yeah, so so cool. I want to sort of weave in and out of some specific ideas you have for what people can do, but also to talk about the beautiful philosophy that you really share. And so I want to go into your books a little bit. And Mm -hmm. one of the books that I even introduced me to you was um, Things Are What You Make of Them, which is insights and inspiration for anyone who makes art from someone who's been there. Why don't you tell us why you wrote this book and what you were hoping that the reader would walk away with? So like a lot of the things in my career, this book was a mistake. (sighs) I was fired from my last job And a woman named Grace Bonney, who has the blog and books Design Sponge, she saw a Facebook status, I think, that I was fired. And she was like, oh, God, like, how's he going to (laughs) eat? And invited me to write a guest column for the website. And what I did was a handwritten short essay broken up into separate images called Simple Tips for Success. Mm -hmm. And it was very popular because it's handwritten. It was friendly. Um, But also it was this like no nonsense, real talk that that really stems from just like the core of who I am navigating this planet. Yeah. And people loved it. And so she invited me to keep writing this column. And after about two years, I looked back at everything I had written and I thought, okay, this is a book. Like I, Mm. I've written some great advice Yeah. slowly over time as I figure out how to go from having a day job to being my own job. It was like, Every month or every two months, I tackled a new theme or topic that was coming up in my life, like being rejected or how to be a normal person on social media uh, or how to use your art to make a difference. And so the book, Things Are What You Make of Them, collects some of that advice. And then, of course, it's expanded. um, And it's also this really fun pocket-sized format. It's kind of like I just took the course of life one semester ahead of you. And then I was like, here, here's my notes. Yeah, it's so cool. I want to dive into it a little bit because this book is the like opus of this show. So let's talk about a couple of these pieces, identifying your truth. Explain Mm. that to everybody so I don't read the entire chapter. (laughs) So identifying your truth is from a chapter about how to be yourself. Because I think a lot of creative people struggle with this idea of like, what is my point of view? What's my aesthetic? Um, social media has convinced us all that we need to have figured out what our thing is, what our voice is, what our style is, and to be so sure about it that we just execute that over and over for an entire career, which you can tell from the way I'm saying it, I think is bullshit. Um, So I wrote this chapter, How to Be Yourself. And it's a little bit about that, but it's also about being yourself as a person in the world. And so the subtitle, it's Things Are What You Make of Them, life advice for creatives. And it's a bit of a Trojan horse because this is just good advice for being alive. So identifying your truth is like, what makes you who you are? You know, what is that core truth that you know about yourself? Even if people in your life, in your childhood, family members, you know, exes who didn't understand you, even the stuff that people told you was bad, it might not be bad. And actually the experiences that you've lived, um, 
are the heart of the real human person that you are. Yeah. So figure out what that is. That's going to be your baseline for being being truthful and being honest and connecting with other human people. Yeah, exactly. And I love where you talk about who do you want to be because I recently posted on my Instagram that it's the goal is not more money, it's living life on your terms, like being yourself. Like that is I think what we're all really seeking. And I love how you wrote, we all change, so pretending otherwise is silly. Think about who you hope to grow into, and that desire is as important as who you um, are currently to set your intention and form the steps you're going to take now to get there. Because like you said, to think that you're going to decide at 18 or 20 or when you start your blog, this is who I am and that's it. It doesn't leave room for you to keep growing and to keep evolving into more and more of what you really are put here to be. So tell us why that's so important to you and, and what you think people really need to hear about how to do that. I think it all really stems from how we define success for ourselves right? There are some people who the goal is, I want to make a million dollars. And I understand, you know, that's a goal. I don't have a million dollars. Sounds nice. But for me, my goal in life and what I define success is, is just to be happy and to help other people along the way, right? I think we all have to look inside ourselves. And so I identify my truth. My truth is that I struggle with happiness I, I hate to put labels on things, but like I, I struggle with mental illness. And so I identified at a younger age, like being happy is going to be hard. What can I do to be happy? And no amount of money can make a depressed person not depressed. Correct. So it was really about how do I build a life that can support what I need to be a happy person? Yeah. And what do you feel has been the thing? that's given you more well-being. I hate to say made you happier because I don't think that that's part of the human condition. Oh my God, no. But what has given you a deeper sense of well-being? I think for me, the thing that has made me the happiest is just embracing, again, embracing my identity in the fullest sense of things. And so carving out this space and flexibility to do what I love and be who I am yeah. has been really important. And this isn't, of course... Um, true of every listener, but I think we all have some core truth that doesn't necessarily mesh with what mainstream society tells us is correct. You know, as a openly queer, as a gay man, it was very important for me too to find a place where that was okay. Yeah. Um, and I think we can all relate, you know, if whatever your identity is or background is or core truth is, being in a place that doesn't support that will always leave you feeling unfulfilled or unhappy. Even in a smaller sense, in my early 20s, I was like so desperate to be cool. Like I bought a leather well, hello, jacket, you know, yeah. I pierced my nose. I was like, I'm going to be a cool guy and everyone's <laughs> going to think I'm so cool. And it's like, people can see you. Who are you fooling? And so I wasn't fooling uh, the people around me who already loved me for me. Yeah. And letting go of like trying to be cool, trying to be just like this something for everyone, that's exhausting. And letting go of that and just being me, that's made me happy. And that is what success really is about. That's amazing. And particularly because one of the things I hear from our audience often is that they are afraid to even begin to try to do their thing and their work because maybe it's not something that other people will like or or they don't know if there's room for them. And it sounds like what you're saying is like, you will find your people. Like if you actually show up and, and you have this beautiful thing in the book um, where you talk about how nobody cares. Why don't you share that with us? Yeah. I mean, so the page is titled Nobody Cares. 
It's easy to feel like nobody cares when you live in the bubble of your own industry. We get so wrapped up in our thing that we forget that to others who are doing totally different things with their lives, the shit we do every day is foreign and wonderful. And that is so true, right? For those of us who who love drawing, you might see a drawing that you've done and be like, oh, this isn't a good drawing. Mm -hmm. It's not technically good. The colors Mm -hmm. are wrong. I can't do the shading. I don't know how to draw hands. And then someone in your life or someone on the internet who is a writer is going to see your drawing and be like, oh, this is a gorgeous drawing. This is an illustration that I could never do. And and they love it. And this one insight that I get. So when I worked, I worked for uh, a media website called BuzzFeed for only like six months. But one insight that I really took away from BuzzFeed is that they have a type of post that they call an ID post. And what that means is that it's the kind of essay or listicle or article, whatever, that really strongly appeals to a specific identity. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, like people who are left-handed. Mm-hmm. And so they have millions of, of visitors every day and 90% of those visitors are right-handed and they don't care. But yep. the 10% of people who see that listicle full of funny gifts and relatable experiences for left-handers, they are going to love that post so much that they're going to share it. And they're going to be like, oh, this is me. I'm a left-hander. Yes. So relatable. Yes. And that 10% sharing is way more powerful than whatever, 40% of the regular website traffic that sees a post and smiles and moves right. on. Right, right. So being a really specific, truthful version of yourself doing the thing that you love, you're not going to win over the whole world, but that's not the goal. The goal is to connect with your people so strongly that they have no choice but to just be like, all right, I'm all in. Correct. I'm here for this. A hundred percent. And I think that what most people are doing is they're always thinking like, I need more followers. I need everyone to like me. I need the whole... And it's like... First of all, that's never going to happen. Like there's already okay. people who don't like all of us for whatever reasons before you even open your mouth. And you're right. There, there's so much more power in having three people who really, really get you who then have to tell three of their friends. Um, one last thing from this book, because it's so on point with what our audience struggles with. Read us the piece about it's not perfect. And let's talk about that for a minute. Ooh, it's not perfect. So that these are both from the chapter of how to get over creative common fears, uh-huh. maybe. It's not perfect. It's hard to let go of a project that feels imperfect, but not only is perfection non-existent, your current perfect will one day be your meh as you continue to grow your craft. Basically, do your best and then shut up and let people love it. Yes, exactly. Okay, this is such a good conversation, but before we keep going, let's just take a quick ad break. Most of us are paying too much for car insurance and there's no easy way to compare quotes without doing tons of paperwork and getting bombarded by spam calls. It's really a nightmare. So let's talk about our new friends at Gabby. Gabby was started when its founder, Hanno, was trying to find the best rates on car insurance when he moved to the US from Germany and he couldn't believe how challenging it was. So he created a solution. I went to Gabby's site to get a quote. It was super simple, super quick. It only took a couple minutes. You should definitely check it out if you want to see how much you can save on insurance rates. In fact, Gabby users save over $800 per year on average and if they can't find you savings, they're going to let you know. So you can relax knowing you do have the best rate out there. And unlike other insurance comparison sites, Gabby will never sell your info, which is such a relief to hear because I can't stand getting those annoying robocalls. So go get yourself better insurance. G-A-B-I, Gabby. Go to Gabby.com slash dream and start saving money 
no fees, no forms, and no spam. Take two minutes and see if you can save up to $865. It just takes two minutes. What do you really have to lose? Go to gabby.com slash dreamjob now. That's G-A-B-I.com slash dreamjob. So what do you want to tell the people right now who are overthinking the play they wrote, the pottery they made, the song they wrote, who they really just can't get past the imposter syndrome. They just feel like a fraud. They feel like it's nowhere near ready and they're going to keep thinking about it or working on it. Do you think that that's a good strategy or do you think that people (laughs) need to just put stuff in the world before it's ready, before they feel confident? Like, what's your approach to that? I mean, I think the obvious answer is in your question. It's like, just put it out there perfection one doesn't exist and two i don't think perfect is better and actually i have a whole 20 minute video that people can google called perfect isn't better and it's about this because when think about pop culture think about art like think about uh for example picasso like what's a picasso like that's not what a woman looks like right that's not perfect at all <laughs> and yet this is one of the most iconic artists of all of humanity mm-hmm. perfect isn't actually the goal Because if I wanted a perfect painting, I would take a photo. That's not the point. So we need to let go of this idea of perfection and instead make the work, make something. And I don't want to like paraphrase an entire, you know, keynote address, but most of my most popular work is stuff that I look at and I'm like, that's the one that has millions of reblogs on Tumblr. That's the one that people love so much that they illegally printed on t-shirts in foreign countries like (laughs) like some of my most popular work is stuff that i did in 30 seconds that was so visceral and human and guttural and like emotive that i just had to slap it on the internet and people saw it and they were like ah yes this is it a complete perfect work and i'm just sitting behind my computer like are you sure yeah and it's not about me anymore that's the beautiful thing about doing creative work is you make something and you put it in the world and then it's the world yeah. and, and they get to decide. Yeah. I had Julia Cameron on the show. Um, who wrote oh, her. Of course. Yeah. She's great. And I asked her, you know, do you think that everybody really can be creative or do you think that, you know, maybe some people just don't have that creativity. And she said, have you ever been in a preschool classroom and seen three-year-olds who don't like to paint? You know, the answer is no, they all do. But the thing that they have in common is that they're all allowing themselves to be messy. And then at some point, that person gets rejected or gets ridiculed and decides, I'm not going to be messy anymore. And you've been through a whole career of allowing yourself to be out there with whatever your stuff is. And like, how can you encourage those of us listening to do that? Because that, that vulnerability that comes from being messy is very scary. You know what? It is completely right to say that. And I think people listening right now, allow yourselves to acknowledge how scary it is to be vulnerable. Allow yourself to acknowledge how hard it is to put the work out there. Like you're not weak for feeling that way. And I'm not a genius for putting out the work despite it. You know what I mean? Like we're all just people and we get so caught up in the title of like, I'm an artist, I'm a writer, I'm a creative director today. Like All of that is secondary to the fact that we are human, we feel feelings, and the feelings aren't always rational, but we still have to experience them. Yeah. Part of my truth and my identity is that like, I kind of can't shut up once I get started. And so (laughs) despite being afraid, I still can't help myself. Like I have to communicate because otherwise I'm going to explode. So I just keep going. And I 
have been rejected so many times by by people who just see a book and are like, no, I don't want this, by professional organizations, by the design and advertising industry awards. Rejection happens all the time. And despite it, I'm still able to make a living doing this thing that I like. Again, it's it's you're going to find your people. So really hanging on to this idea of like, I will find my people and it doesn't have to be everyone, that's liberating. Yeah. Letting go of the idea that perfection is necessary, that's liberating. And so with enough of these rationalizations, you hopefully can get over that fear of not being good enough. Yeah. And you just talked about something so important, which is rejection. And I think so often people take like one hit to the jaw and they're just like out of the ring. And I think one of the things you talk about a lot in your work is like how to get back up. What have been some of your strategies for continuing to move forward in the face of being rejected and all of that? I think it really comes down to this perseverance of like, I'm going to keep trying. And then adding a layer of logic of like, okay, now I've been rejected 10 times. What feedback can I take? And this Mm -hmm. is a little bit of like, I come from a design background where critique is a really important part of design and art because it's so subjective. We actually really need that outside input. Mm -hmm. And so If you've been rejected a number of times, that's a nice chance to sort of take a gut check and think, all right, well, maybe this is close. I still really believe in this, but maybe I can course correct, or maybe I can create an entry point for people who don't get my exact perspective to find their way in. And also just because you've been rejected by, by editors or, you know, these sort of professional gatekeepers, I would then maybe host a critique. And by host a critique, I mean email your thing to three friends and be like, Hey, can you take a look at this? You're not in my industry. What's your perspective? Yeah. I love that. And I do that really often with my husband, who's a journalist because he's a real person. And to me, sometimes that opinion is worth way more than an editor who maybe sees 50 book pitches every single day and is just like, doesn't have the time to give you that thoughtful, full feedback. I love that that stance on how it's not all like, well, they don't get me. You're like, wait a minute, like it might be good to do a gut check, right? And like you're looking at then this idea of like quote unquote failure as like, no, this is not rejection. It's like redirection. This is actually positive. Like you're finding the critique could actually be really helpful. I love how you just reframed that. I'm sure because you're so successful that over the the course of time that you've been putting your work out, your audience has said yes, very loudly to certain things and said more of eh to other things. And it probably has directed you toward more of what is speaking to your people, correct? Like has that feedback given you sort of insight into what things to make more of? You know what? Yes and no. And this is an uplifting podcast. So I'm just going to share a big rejection that's happening in my life right now. (laughs) So I have this project called the OK Tarot. And it is a tarot deck that I designed. And it's called OK Tarot because it's only okay. I'm not the best <laughs> illustrator. It's very simple. The drawings are, are, it's pretty wonky. And this is a project I wanted to do. So I launched a Kickstarter and, you know, self-published, you know, this edition of, of 2000 decks. And then afterwards I was like, cool, people like this. I'm going to shop this to publishers. And keep in mind, I already work with Penguin. I already work with Abrams. Yeah. I already work with yeah. Chronicle, but I have ins and I have book sales to, to prove that I have uh, this value in that world. And it was, this deck was rejected four times 
And one of the publishers actually rejected it twice. They took a second look <laughs> and it. then they were like, oh, no, it's still no good. <laughs> and so I have this project oh, that God. is successful that continues to sell. I just ordered a reprint for another 4,000. So that's 9,000 decks. That's it's crazy. been sold at Urban Outfitters stores. It's been on Japanese TV. It's been featured in print magazines. Yep. Like, this is a successful project. And yet still the industry gatekeepers who already like me are still telling me no. But that's brilliant because that really shows that it's really about, you know, it's not really relevant what these six people say who sit at totally. the desk with the suit. But what is relevant is that we live in a time like no other where most human beings, not all, but most human beings have a smartphone and they're on the other side of you posting something and you have the ability right now, like we never had in 1970 or 80 or whatever, where you can go right to your people and be like, yeah. hey, do you want this? And do you know how I did it? I Googled custom tarot deck printing. <laughs> That's how I did it. I Googled it. it. And then I just looked at some of the results and it's printed awesome. it myself. And it's in a box with the, like, we have so much power now that we don't actually need all those industry gatekeepers. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and people are going to kill me if I don't spend some time talking to you about how you've grown your audience, because it is right now, the best way for people to create a business. So you have your own people, you go directly to your tribe. So let's talk about how you've done this. Like, what do you think is it that's resonating so much with your audience? What do you think is the recipe? So I think it's really important to say right up front, the truth is there's just not a secret. I have been sharing things on the internet for 15 years. I've been on Instagram for seven years and it has been a really slow climb. But what I do think is a differentiator is I see a lot of these like tips and tricks for Instagram building. And, you know, there's websites that you can read that tell you like, here are the five secrets. Oh God, right. Use the right hashtag. Use a friendly tone. There's so many people that I see on Instagram who have the exact have adopted that sunshiny, like everything is fine voice. And it's so fake. And when we see it, we roll our eyes. We want to follow diverse, interesting voices with yep. unique perspectives to enrich our lives. So think about again, identify your truth. Who are you? What do you have to say? How do you say it? And then put it out there and be yourself. Yeah. And you're the kind of person who not only are you, you, but you have a lot of empathy for other people. And so many of the things that you post, I feel resonate with people when they're in pain. And I think that's one of the pe reasons that people also follow you because it's like, it's such a break in the storm. I think empathy is one word that I would use to describe what your feed offers. You know, do you think about that a lot when you go to post things like what people are struggling with? You know what? Yes and no. Right? Cuz if I if I overthought it and if I was like, okay, how can I be empathic today? Then we lose some of that humanity and truth. Yeah. So I'm usually concerned with like what am I experiencing today and how can I succinctly communicate that in a way that is super me? And is the way that I would say it to a friend yeah. um, or to a human person, but then, you know, in a shareable format where maybe I've written it down on paper and then Instagrammed that on a colorful background, you know, yeah. but I really, I try to say things the way I would say them because there are a lot of inspirational accounts that can be really wonderful, um, but really sort of adopt this like therapist voice. And I'm not a yogi or a therapist. I'm just, I'm talking to you like a friend and I'm just like, Hey, I hear you. And I can relate. And here's why. And 
here's what I'm doing to help me. Maybe this also helps you. Yeah, exactly. And that's part of, um, in your other book, Pick Me Up, which is a pep talk for now and later. I love how this book, you make it clear that this is not about cheering people up, that this book is about helping yourself get through the dark times. Can you tell us the distinction there? Totally. Well, you know what? Like we can all relate to this when you're feeling bad, when something has happened. Yeah. The worst thing in the entire goddamn world yeah. is when someone says, oh, cheer up. Ugh. It's like, oh, great. Thank you. Wow. I feel so much. It's like, what do you want me to do with that sort of like yeah. decree of like, oh, cheer up. Yep. That doesn't help me right now. And so pick me up is... The reason it's a pep talk for now and later is because it's a journal that you fill out in the present for your future self. And so you, when you're in a good mood or a introspective mood, are filling out these prompts, are writing down your own good advice, and then you're going to come back to your advice later and take your own advice. Mm. And it's really about you and not me. Because if I walk into your life, a stranger from the internet, and I say, cheer up, you're going to immediately ignore me. Yeah. My therapist told me that they've done these studies with babies and the baby's crying. And if the mom says like, you're okay, you're okay. Here, look at the squeezy toy. The baby doesn't even want to make eye contact. And (laughs) all that the baby needs is for the mom to be like, oh, you're really sad. Like, I see that you're sad. And then the baby actually takes a deep breath and goes, like calms the F down. And it's because you can't regulate how you're feeling unless you can feel it and name it and see it. And all you want is for someone else to like be attuned and be like, oh, I see that you're in this moment. And I'm like, I will sit here with you in this moment, which allows you then to feel this thing because the sooner you feel it, the sooner you can get through it. And so I'm curious if you could share with us um, from your own life, from the book, what are some ways that you've been able to navigate dark moments or the limiting beliefs that might keep you down, which I think our audience relates to. I mean, this really comes down to the way that we think about mental health at all. And so the the sort of obvious comparison is physical health, right? Like if you're bleeding, the doctor says, why are you bleeding? Here's what we can do about it, right? You have to actually address the root of an issue. And so with our mental health, it's the same thing. It's why am I sad? Why am I scared? What is the actual issue here? A lot of times we'll be angry. You'll have a fight with your partner or a coworker or a friend. And it's like, what is that really about? Is it about the thing that you're fighting about? Or are you redirecting anger, fear, frustration that's about something else entirely? So you do need to get to the root and then address that. What is actually happening? And as soon as you do that, then you can take steps to move on. Yeah, exactly. For people who are starting to take steps to create a business from their art and they really haven't ever done this what might be your advice to an artist who would like to have an ounce of the success that you've had Hmm. the most important thing that i've done or rather didn't do is i didn't establish a full business on day one i didn't have a logo Mm. i didn't have a brand name i didn't register a trademark i just started making the art and then After years of this, I was like, okay, maybe you need to register Adam JK LLC. It's been five years. You got to protect your assets. (laughs) And then this year, a decade later, I finally, okay, I have a logo now. And it's just Adam JK Handwritten. That's it. And just now, (laughs) after 10 years, 
it's a registered trademark. And so I grew as I needed to grow. But if before you make even one art, you sit down and you say, I need a brand name, a website, a logo, an online shop, a trademark, you'll never start because there are so many steps that all of a sudden the ladder is like 40 rungs high. We create roadblocks for ourselves. So start with the work, start with who you are and grow from there. Yeah, I agree. That's amazing that you've been so busy making things that you only now are like, oh yeah, I guess I should do all of those quote unquote you know, business things. Um, Dude, I got my trademark certificate two weeks ago. Yeah. And you're so right. People will get so caught up in like, I will have a business once my website is perfect. Meanwhile, right? Like you could just be creative. So just to sort of um, close out, I don't want to miss out on just mentioning your other awesome book, which has been published in like 17 languages. It's called One Page at a Time. And it's a daily creative companion. And I think it's a great place to sort of end this conversation because we were just talking about getting down to it and just doing the stuff, making the yeah. stuff. So why did you write this book? And what are some of your best practices for people to open up that creativity every single day? It's such a nice time to bring that up because that's exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's one page at a time. Is It's about that incremental journey of just start somewhere. One page at a time starts on page one. And then you go to page two the next day. And after 365 pages, you have written a book because one page at a time is a guided journal. And so it's mostly empty. It's actually a huge scam that it's an international bestseller um, (laughs) because it's basically just paper. Um, And actually one of the first pages says, this is just paper. Mm. The rest is up to you. So I'm acknowledging Uh that in the book, this is an empty book that you will write for Mm -hmm. yourself. And it is so much about my own journey as a creative entrepreneur, but it's also so much about my mental health journey of like, okay, Day one, we might not even be getting out of bed on this day, but but we got to eat a vegetable. You know what I mean? And yeah. then day two, maybe I put on socks. And then yeah. day 20, maybe I'm looking for a therapist. And day 100, I'm, you know, finding a support network. It's like, it's just about that slow growth. Yeah. And so one page of time is a very friendly, goofy, fun place to start if you're looking for that daily creativity boost. Because some days I want you to just write a mantra really big. And then other days, do a really intense drawing and let's let's see what you can do. But then it's just paper. There's no pressure. Yeah. That's life. It's like, it's not a race. It's not a contest. Yep. It's just you doing whatever you're doing at your own speed. And that really is it. Like the other day, I posted something that said, the goal is not the goal. It's who you become by, you know, chasing the goal. It's like... It's not about the followers. It's not about the business. It's about you showing up every day and being more of you and doing the things that you need to take care of yourself and all of that. Like, that's what you're saying. And I love that one of the prompts in the book you have, draw something terrible that you can't undo. I love it. Yeah, because that's just it, right? And you will make you will make things throughout your life, your career, whether it's professional or hobby. It's like you will make things that are bad. You will make things that are imperfect. You will miss an opportunity. You will get rejected. Who fucking cares? That's life. There will be so many wins and so many losses. And at the end of it all, you'll look back and you'll be like, aha, that was me. I lived. Yeah. All right. Tell us where we can find you. My name's Adam J. Kurtz, but I'm just Adam JK on Instagram, on Twitter, on Tumblr.com. You can find my books in bookstores. 
You can find my like weirdo gift products on my website. I'm just, I'm around. You'll find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. It really was a joy. Thank you for just like inflating my ego. I'm, I'm going to go be unbearable for 30 minutes until reality you. sets in. <laughs> um, awesome. That was really fun to talk to Adam. So let's go over some of the takeaways. Number one, identify your truth. The experiences that you've lived are at the heart of the real human that you are. Number two, the things we create every day can be foreign and wonderful. Number three, the goal is not to win over the world. The goal is to win so strongly with your people that they have no choice but to say, I am all in. Number four, perfection is non-existent. Do your best and let people love it. Number five, the input is important. If you're running into resistance, take a gut check. You might be close, but you can course correct. Number six, we follow diverse, interesting voices to enrich our lives. So figure out who you are, what you have to say, how you have to say it, and then put it out there. And number seven, life is not a rat race. It's not a contest. Life is doing the things that you love at your own speed. Okay, well, here are some more wins. So Talia posted in our Facebook group and said, because of this podcast, I had the courage and confidence to launch my photography business. I had one of my first professional shoots the other day and I've booked seven more. I'm learning how to charge what I'm worth, but it's hard to charge for something I love and I would do for free. I do it to create a memory with lasting beauty. Thank you for this wonderful, inspiring podcast that has truly changed my life. Talia, that's amazing. And I'm so proud of you. I know how scary it can be to take your seat at the table and to own what your work is worth. But the truth is people actually like to pay for services and products. So having a price point is super important and you really are on the right path. You guys, you can follow Talia on Instagram at talia.does.photo.stuff. So go give her some love. Okay, next one, Emma DM me on Instagram and she said, Kathy, exclamation point. I did it, three exclamation points. I launched my podcast and it's so inspired by you and don't keep your day job. It's not perfect, but the dilemmas of Emma podcast is up. I finally decided that done was better than perfect with much guidance from you. It's about my journey to body positivity, fulfillment, and the tools and resources that have gotten me there. Even if one person listens and finds comfort in knowing her struggles are not hers alone, that there's hope and happiness in the journey, I'm going to be happy. Thank you for your light in this world. Emma, that's amazing. Congrats on launching your podcast. I love that you're letting go of that need to have everything perfectly figured out because you're so right. Done is better than perfect. I think you'll inspire so many people with this message. So please keep sharing it. You guys, you can go listen to the Dilemmas of Emma podcast and you can send her some love on Instagram at the Dilemmas of Emma. Okay, just a reminder. So if you buy five books by July 29th, or if you want to go the other route and you want to create a book club and you buy one book and you get four friends to buy the four other books and you guys start a book club, however you want to get there, if you do this by July 29th and you let us know about it, you're going to get in on $5,000 worth of value. So you're going to get coaching calls. There's a mastermind. There's a VIP lunch. There's so many rewards here. And it is definitely worth the cost of buying the books or creating a book club with your friends that could really change your life and theirs because that accountability and that support is going to create so much momentum. If you have a win that you want us to celebrate, because I mention those wins every Thursday, feel free to DM me on Instagram at kathy.heller, or you can post it in the Don't Keep Your Day Job group or in the Dream Ambassadors Facebook group, which you get access to. If you go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com, you can find the pop-up to join the Dream Ambassadors. I will be doing a coaching there every single month, plus all the other rewards I told you when you guys hit your goal, um, which is July 29th. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, because we have so many good episodes coming out, and I don't want you to 
to miss them. Also, if you liked this episode or any other episode, take a second right now and share it with someone because it might make them feel a little bit better. It might make them feel a little bit more drawn to do more of what they love, which could then have such a huge ripple effect in changing their life and the lives of people around them. So I love you. I'll leave you guys with a song of mine and I'm going to talk to you on Monday. Got the heart of a hero